This week on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making Podcast. We conclude the winter class, Follow Jesus, with Pastor Travis and Lana Toller discussing the spiritual disciplines of Christian meditation and prayer. All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Y'all good? Yeah? Yeah? All right, let me uh, open us up in prayer and we'll, we'll jump in. Jesus, thank you so much for this evening. Uh, we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. We thank you for the gift that is your word, Lord, and your God that uh, does want, uh, actually want a, an intimate, personal, thriving relationship uh, with your people, with your followers, Lord. Uh, it just blows my mind every time I think about it. Um, so God, let us diligently seek after you. Let us be disciplined in our time with you to learn from you, to hear from you, uh, to grow and, and become uh, more and more like you every day, Jesus. I pray over this time together, pray that you give us your wisdom, give us your mind, your heart. Uh, Lord, bless this time together. In your name we pray, amen. All right, before we get into tonight's topics, any questions from last week that you were too scared to ask and now I'm pressuring you again to ask or maybe you thought about something you're like, ooh, I should have asked, you know, something like that. Just want to give room for that before we move on uh, to new subjects. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Makes, makes me happy. Okay, so um, before we move on, I do have another thing for you. As uh, we mentioned last week, I um, wanted to give you a one-page kind of summary of what we were talking about. So here's like a full page of that, and then here's, um, these are the size of our bulletins that we have here. Um, this can fit easily in your Bible or notebook or whatever you have going on. Um, it's a more condensed version of this. That makes sense? Um, so can you help me pass these out? Um, that's you, would you mind helping me out? Thank you. Um, so yeah, that, uh, this will conclude our time on the three steps of studying God's Word. Um, and today we're going to dive into meditation and prayer. So we're going to uh, complete what I would recommend as a, a personal devotional time. Uh, or if you, know, you grew up in church like me, you probably heard it called a quiet time. Um, these are the three components of it that I would recommend um, studying your Bible, and walking through these three steps, and then spending time in meditating over Scripture and uh, in prayer. So we're going to talk about meditation and prayer tonight, and a lot of um, what I'm going to teach you tonight uh, does come from just my own personal experiences and growth in these two spiritual disciplines, but also a lot from from these two books. Um, I mentioned this one at the beginning of our class. It's Donald Whitney's uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Honestly, in my opinion, it's the best spiritual disciplines book out there. Um, he's just a really good writer, makes things very easily understandable and practical, uh, which I just love. He's got practical insight on all of these things um, at the end of each chapter, and he has a whole big section on meditation. He has a whole chapter on prayer, um, really helpful, really practical stuff. And then also uh, this book by Tim Keller. Uh, Tim Keller is one of my favorite authors. Uh, Prayer by Tim Keller. This book came out a few years ago. Um, it's awesome. It's really, really good. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about prayer, um, Tim Keller is one of the smartest people alive, in my opinion, and he also writes in a very easily understandable way. So he'll give you the history on prayer, uh, what it's, how it's grown throughout the life of the church, theological stuff, and like pulling verses and explaining that on prayer, and then also giving you uh, practical steps and insights uh, into prayer. This is an awesome book. Um, I know it's thick and, and, and large, but um, you know, it's, it's larger font and, and some space there, so don't be afraid of it. Um, it'll be good for you. So these two books, I, I can't recommend enough. 
Um, like I said, a lot of what I'm teaching you tonight comes from my own personal experience and also uh, from reading good resources like that. So um, we're going to start with meditation. And meditation is, is an important thing. If you, uh, you know, kind of followed some of those steps that I showed you where by looking up where or how many times a certain word shows up in Scripture, you're going to see the word meditate show up a lot, especially in the Old Testament. But I don't know about you, I did not grow up being taught anything about Scripture meditation. We would, you know, hear that Joshua 1.8 verse that's really popular and uh, really good, or like Psalm 1, which I have here, which everybody loves to talk about. Like that's a, a preacher's, you know, one of favorite passages because it just breaks into a three-point sermon so easily. It's like, if you can't preach out of Psalm 1, like what are you doing? It's really easy. Uh, so everybody loves that. But I never, I don't know about you guys, but I never was taught what it meant to actually meditate on Scripture. And this is something that's talked about over and over again in the Bible. So you would think like this should be a really important thing, but it's not talked about. For whatever reason, maybe the contemporary church just got scared by all the Eastern religion mysticism that comes around the word meditate. And I'm sure we all have our own ideas. When somebody says meditate on scripture, that probably brings to mind something specific to each of us. Um, and for me, when I used to hear that word, it did not bring up the biblical understanding of what scripture meditation meant. So hopefully I can uh, clear some of that out of the way and, and explain this in a helpful way, because I really do believe that biblical meditation, meditating on scripture is so, so important. When I started doing this this is probably six or seven years ago at this point, incorporating this into a daily routine for me when I studied the Bible, it brought to life God's word in ways that I didn't really understand and didn't think were possible at that time. Um, because you just immerse yourself in the word so much more through this spiritual discipline. It's really beneficial, really good. So uh, let's read this. Uh, like I said, it, it appears in our Bibles a lot. Uh, I think one of the bigger ones is in Psalm 1. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Okay, so if we want to be a follower of God, one that doesn't uh, get led astray by the many sins of this world and of this culture, what does it say to do? It says to find delight in God's law or God's word. You got to remember in, in this time where David, the author of the psalm, is writing, uh, they didn't have our entire Bible. So when he refers to the law of God, he's talking about our Bible. He's talking about the word of God. Um, so just keep that in mind. It's not like we should only meditate on the first five books of the Old Testament, which was considered the law. That's not what he's talking about. It's, it's all of scripture. We should find our delight in it and we should meditate on it. When we do those things, what's it say there? It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does, he prospers. So what this is talking about is prospering in our spiritual growth. We're gonna be like a strong tree planted by water where the leaf does not die. And how do we get to that point? Like that's what we want, right? Like we wanna be strong in the Lord. We wanna be strong in our relationship with the Lord. We wanna be growing like a healthy tree, uh, producing fruit, producing healthy leaves all the time. Like that's what we're after, right? Like that's why you guys are in this class is, is to find ways to do that. And what does this tell us to do? Meditate on scripture. Meditate on scripture. This is a big aspect of our spiritual growth, meditating on scripture. We see uh, other passages that talk about this are Joshua 1.8, Psalm 1, 
Psalm 119.15, Psalm 145, verse 5. Uh, these are uh, several, just a few of the several passages where meditation on Scripture is talked about. So let's start to put together, what does it mean to meditate? Because it's nice to say we should meditate on Scripture, but if that's all I told you, I would not be very helpful. And that's not my goal. I want to be helpful for you guys. So what does it mean to meditate on Scripture? Well, that word meditate means to speak to yourself, uh, to mutter to yourself, to think deeply on your own to yourself about something. That's what it means to meditate. When the, the Hebrew authors would write that word meditate in Hebrew in the Old Testament, this is what they were talking about doing something that's causing you to think deeply about something. What are we supposed to think deeply about? You can answer. God's Word. That's what we're supposed to meditate on. The law of the Lord. All right, it's right up, right up there in, in yellow. Um, we're supposed to meditate and think deeply, to speak, mutter to ourselves the words of God, Scripture. Uh, Donald Whitney defines it like this. Um, he says, biblical meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture for the purpose of understanding, application, and prayer. That's what biblical meditation is. So uh, the worldly idea of meditation is this idea of we want to empty our minds and be free of all thought and burdens and this weird, like, connecting with the universe and yourself like I don't even know what that means like I don't what does it mean to empty your mind like, that's impossible first of all but we can't empty our minds um, usually when Kendra asks me what are you thinking about and I say nothing that's not actually true it's probably something about the NBA and she just doesn't want to hear that so I say nothing to not bother her about how awesome the heat are this year um, it's, it's real, like, what does it even mean to empty your mind? Like, I don't even know what that's talking about. And that's not what biblical meditation is. So when we meditate on scripture, we're not emptying our mind. We're filling our mind with the word of God. That's what it means to meditate on scripture. It's filling our minds with scripture. Think of it, um, if, if there's any tea drinkers in here, think of it uh, as you're steeping your tea bag. The longer you leave a tea bag in a hot cup of water, the more flavor and robust the flavor of the tea is, right? Like if you just dip it in there once and you pull it out, it's just gonna taste maybe like water, hot water, and, and there's a little bit of flavor. But you leave that tea bag in longer and you steep it longer, the flavors fill that cup and it's a more robust flavor of tea. That's exactly what scripture meditation does. You're soaking in the hot water of scripture. That's what biblical meditation is. You're steeping in scripture. You're spending time and deep thought about scripture. That's what meditation is. And meditation is based in proper study and interpreting of scripture. This makes sure that you're actually meditating on the truth of God's word. See, if we don't do these three steps that we talked about and we just meditate on something, we run the risk of doing what we talked about last week, pulling something out of context, uh, pulling out a truth that's not really there from the text. But if we follow these steps and we spend time studying our Bible and studying a passage and really understanding it, really understanding what it meant to the original audience and understanding what it can mean for us today, when we meditate on those truths that we're pulling from God's word, that's when meditation is really helpful. Um, so meditation is filling our minds with scripture and it's based in proper study of scripture. Okay, so the purpose of meditation, let's dig a little bit more into this. Purpose of meditation. One, meditation brings focus to the passage and what God wants to teach you. I don't know about you guys, but it's really easy to get distracted, right? Like how many of them here, let's admit, you know, it's easy to get distracted. We're reading our Bible and we're like, oh, meditate on the law of the Lord. That's so good. I love Psalm 1. Wait, what did that person say today? 
oh man, we got that email. I don't like that person. And they sent me this email. I know that they said something in a nice way, but I know they didn't mean it that way. They're really trying to be mean. And then our mind just goes, or like, I can't believe, you know, this is going on. Or like, you know, if you got kids like us, it's like they're, you know, we're terrible today or like gotten something and you're like, your mind's on that. Or like you got a bunch of to-do lists, like, like you got to get dinner done or you got to put the kids down or whatever's happening in your day. Like we can just be so flooded with the burdens of our daily lives, that it's so easy to get pulled and distracted. But if we can just spend a moment steeping in the hot waters of scripture and just focus our minds on what God has to teach us, maybe there's something more there. Maybe there's something a little deeper there than just what we're seeing on the surface, but we have to pause and slow down and spend time there. So meditation helps focus our minds on what God would have us to learn in that passage. Meditation also leads to heart change or helps leads to heart change. Meditating on scripture allows the truth to soak deep into your heart and it helps you actually apply what you're reading. Again, the purpose here is to slow down, slow down and really spend time in the word. So often we just want to get, you know, our few minutes of reading in. What's my application point? Boom, I'm done. 15 minutes, I'm good to go. Sometimes scripture just like pops off the page and like, yeah, sometimes it's going to be like that. Other times you're going to need to spend a little bit more time, a little bit more time for it to actually sink into heart change. Because again, we want to have our lives changed and affected when we study God's word. We want to, the end result of our time with the Lord to be that we are more like Jesus and not just more like us. You know, that's not the point or more that we just have this new knowledge of what we learned in the Bible. No, we want to be changed by God's word to be more like Jesus. Meditation helps us spend time and slow down and really focus on those application points and how we can actually walk in obedience. Again, like we talked about last week, like it's easy to read a passage that says, love one another. Okay, boom. I know what this says. It says to love one another. I know. Yeah, I can love people. Okay, what does that actually look like? If we don't spend time and think through that, it's not really going to affect us in any way. So we have to spend time in that, and meditation helps us do that. Meditation, uh, the third point there, meditation creates a bridge between studying scripture and prayer. Uh, This is something that uh, Keller talks a lot about in his book. Um, Donald Whitney talks a lot about this too. They all stole it from Martin Luther. He's the guy that really first started talking about this. Um, And it's just good stuff, man. Like you study Martin Luther's uh, anything on him and and meditating on scripture, like it's just pure gold. So, um, you know, Google that when you get home if you want to. Um, But it's really good. And this is what he talks about. He talks about uh, how so often we can get distracted in our prayer time. Um, Before I started orienting my, my quiet time like this, I used to start out with prayer and I found that I was just really distracted. My mind was just wandering all over the place. I didn't really know, uh, you know, what I was praying for. I had a list, maybe, maybe not. And my mind, it just wasn't very focused. It wasn't intentional. um, And it was just kind of dry, you know, just kind of like uttering words. Um, Maybe that's not you. And, and, you know, if you do whatever works for you, hear me say that first. But uh, what I would recommend is doing what Martin Luther recommended, and that is studying scripture meditating on scripture and having that meditation on the truths of God's word that you just learned by studying it lead into your prayer time and direct your prayer time. Uh, George Mueller, if you've heard of him, um, guy in the 1800s in England, had a bunch of orphanages, um, didn't ever ask for money, and somehow the Lord just always provided because this guy was on his knees praying all 
the time. And he talks about how his personal time with the Lord was revolutionized when he started following Martin Luther's advice here on meditating and using that as a bridge between studying scripture and our prayer time. And we're going to talk more about that and we'll put all the pieces together at the end. But um, that's a big purpose of, um, of meditation. Tim Keller says this in his book, uh, that, I, that I told you about prayer here. Uh, While deep experiences of the presence and power of God can happen in, in, in innumerable ways, the ordinary way for going deeper spiritually into prayer is through meditation on Scripture. Uh, the Puritan Thomas Watson says this, The reason we come away so cold from reading the Word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. And I found that to be so true in my life. Um, there were so many times that I would come away cold and not really knowing what to do with this passage or having it rarely affect my lives, uh, my life. And, and then when I started meditating on scripture, man, that, that changed. Um, sure, there are, and we'll talk about this, there are moments where there's not this you know, huge spiritual awakening and that's fine, like don't always be looking for that. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, but man, it's just so easy to, to just come away cold and to just have these words be things that we read and not sink down into our hearts and our lives. Um, but meditation really helps with that. So meditation is a bridge. The reason it's a really good bridge is because you start your prayer time off by focusing on the truth of God that, again, you just studied. Um, so if, if things that you're learning about are, are characteristics of God or attributes of God and you're, you're reading about his sovereignty or his goodness, you start your prayer time off by, by praying and thanking God for his sovereignty or his goodness. If your study of scripture reveals some sin in your life that you're convicted of, you start your prayer time off with confessing that sin and, and asking the Lord to give you strength to walk in repentance and obedience to him. Um, so it creates a natural bridge. It creates a natural focus to your prayer time. And at that point, you can then move on in your prayer time to the list and other people that need to pray for, other things that we should be praying for and need to be praying for. Um, but this just creates a really helpful bridge from studying the scripture into our prayer time. So that is some really good stuff about meditation. All right, the practice of meditation. How do we do this? Um, first, we select our passage or verse. Um, maybe it's an entire section. I would recommend shortening it uh, to maybe one or two or three verses that you really spend time in focus energy, uh, diving deep and thinking deeply on that text. So pick your section, pick your verse, pick your passage, whatever you're studying, um, select a portion of that or all of that to meditate on. Um, and then I would start by spending just a few still moments before the Lord focusing on the passage. Again, you want to kind of clear your your mind space here of the other things going on in your world, other things going on in your life, and really try to hone in on what the Lord is teaching you in this passage, in this moment of Bible study. Uh, focus on those theological principles, focus on those application points, focus on those main points of the text that through you walking through those three steps that you're able to draw out. So focus on those and just spend a few still moments before the Lord asking him to grant you insight and wisdom, which he promises to do. We ask for that. We just spend a few minutes focusing our minds and our hearts on the Lord, and then we can do these different things. Um, and Donald Whitney and, and Keller both spend a lot of time talking about these. Uh, one is praying through the passage. I think this is really helpful to focus your mind on what it's saying. You kind of create this passage or this verse or whatever it is into a prayer. Um, maybe if it's a narrative, you kind of replace your name with one of the characters that's going on that the Lord has brought some truth to mind. Um, you know, create a prayer out of whatever you're reading. Maybe you write it down in like through your paraphrase that we kind of talked about in that interpretation step as you're paraphrasing. You can turn that into a prayer. Um, but pray through the passage. Um, or maybe it's just reading each 
uh, verse of that passage really slowly and just praying, Lord, give me wisdom, give me insight onto what this means. Help me understand this. Help me know how to apply this to my life. Uh, again, the point is to slow down and focus our minds and our hearts on what's happening on the pages before us. So pray through the passage or verse. Uh, read through the text in different ways, emphasizing a word, a different word or a different phrase each time. Um, a, an easy example for this is when Jesus says, I am the, the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five. I think it is. Um, you can kind of emphasize different parts of that verse and focus on different things. So you can focus on I am. You can focus on Jesus being the I am, that he is related to God of the Old Testament, that they are one in the Trinity. Um, you can focus on it being actually Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection of life. Jesus is the one who does this. You're focusing on the person and the work of Jesus in that moment. Um, you can focus on the resurrection aspect of that. What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection? You can focus on the life aspect. What does it mean that Jesus is not just the resurrection, not just that we're made alive, but that we're, we're given life in him? What is this idea of eternal life spent with Jesus? Spend a few minutes thinking on the spiritual benefits and the glory of what it's going to be like to spend eternity with Jesus in complete perfection. Um, these are awesome things to think about. And it just comes from emphasizing a different word in that simple sentence, I am the resurrection and the life. And again, if you've grown up in church, you've heard that a lot. But spending time meditating on that, emphasizing a different aspect of it each moment brings it to life, brings new things to mind, allows your mind to focus on different aspects and truth of who God is and what he's done for us and how we should live in obedience to him. Is that making sense? Cool. Um, another one, rewrite it in your own words. We talked about this last week with the interpretation step. Paraphrasing is a really helpful tool. Again, it personalizes what's going on. And, um, you know, and I'm not like, you know, you put your personal interpretation over what the Word of God says. Hopefully you guys understand that's not what I've been teaching you. Um, so that's not what we're talking about here. Um, but it is helpful to kind of understand it in a way that, that helps you understand, that makes sense to you, and that can apply to your life. So paraphrasing is really helpful. Um, use meditation as a part of the application step. We mentioned this in uh, the tools for application last week. And again, this helps it. If, if you are reading through something and you've gone through that interpretation step and you've, you know, highlighted and you've marked up and you've made notes and you've asked questions and you're trying to get to the heart of the passage and you're still like, I don't understand what this actually means for me. Like meditation can really help you in that as you focus in on the passage more, praying through it, asking the Lord to give you wisdom and insight and understanding. Um, this can be a really good way to, uh, to bridge that gap of uh, knowing what it meant to knowing what it means for you today. Um, this is something that I use in my time like constantly. Like this is how I get to the application step typically is through meditating on scripture, especially because I mentioned last week I spent like a week and a half in Luke chapter 16. I spent a lot of time meditating because it did not make any sense and I had no idea how it applied to my life. Um, but through meditation, through understanding, through rereading it a bunch of times, through spending a lot of time in prayer, uh, the Lord brought some things to mind. Um, so you just have to take some time, um, but med meditating as part of the application step is really helpful. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is living and active. It will pierce our hearts, uh, but sometimes that piercing takes some time. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it might be a day or two, which is what Kendra talked about last week as far as breaking up the steps a little bit, where you focus on observe and interpret one day and you focus on application another day. That's great. If that helps you, then, then do that. Don't feel like you have to rush through a section of the Bible. Like, 
you know, we've, we've got the word of the Lord until Jesus comes back. And if he comes back while you're reading the Bible, all the, all the more benefit, you know, like uh, spend, take your time. Like nobody's timing you to see how quickly you can get through a book of the Bible here. Like that's, that's not what we're trying to do here. Like any time spent in the word of God is beneficial, whether you're taking a week and a half in Luke 16 or you're reading, you know, a chapter every day. Spend time in the word of God. Take your time. Go slowly um, and trust the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, which is pierce our hearts and make us more like Jesus. Um, so slow down, take your time. It's okay, all right? Know that I'm going slow with you too, all right? It's all good. Um, okay, the other thing that I wanna mention here is uh, John Owen's got some really good stuff too. So um, if you're gonna read anybody on meditation, Martin Luther, John Owen, um, Tim Keller, Donald Whitney, those would be my top choices. Um, John Owen has three stages of meditation and I love this stuff. Um, so I wanna walk through this and just kinda highlight his method and what he talks about. Um, so the first stage, as you see there, is fix your mind. Uh, so that's what we've been talking about, focusing on the truths of God given in the text. That's what it means to fix our mind. It means focusing in, clearing out the distractions, clearing out all of our other stuff that we have going on in our lives and making God's word front and center in our minds and our hearts. We first have to fix our mind. If we're distracted with other things, we're never going to get through this. We're never going to be able to meditate if we're so worried and consumed with everything else we have going on. This helps us to slow down. So slow down, fix your mind on the truths of God. And then the next step is inclining the heart is what John Owen says. And this is essentially what, it, what we talked about with application. What he means here is that we're thinking through how this text should affect my daily life. How does it affect my, my everyday life in the here and now practically? Think through those kind of things. Think through those steps. Process through the truths found in this passage until it connects your heart and begins to lead you towards change, whether that's repenting of some sin, whether that's increasing your faith or your trust in God, whether that's killing off some idols that the Lord has brought to mind, whatever it is, process through that until it really connects down into your heart and leads to life change. Okay, again, this takes time. Sometimes, it, like some, again, sometimes it'll just jump off the page and it'll be so clear as day. Other times, you're just going to have to spend some time here. And the purpose of this is that we're not just filling our head with a bunch of knowledge. Like, you know, if you can tell me what, you know, what Hosea and yeah, once you get through the, the story with him and Gomer that everybody knows, and then you get to like chapters four through 14, which is just straight prophecy. If you can be like, man, I can tell you everything about Hosea, but like you're not living with any sort of heart change as a result of studying that, like you've just built up head knowledge, like that's awesome. You've learned something but it hasn't affected you. And that's not the point of studying scripture. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's not about just puffing up our heads with more knowledge. If that's all we're doing, then we're wasting our time in my opinion. That is not why God has given us his word. He's given us his word to affect our lives and make us more like him. So this is that step where we fix our mind on how does this make me more like Jesus? How does this truth, this thing that we learned about God, this sin, this command, this promise, whatever it is, how does this affect my life right now? How does Travis live in obedience to these things right now? If we're not doing that, again, we're, we're wasting our time when we're not utilizing God's word for the purpose that it was given to us. Um, John Owen says this, he said, we should not settle for mere mental assent to doctrines about Jesus. And that was really convicting for me because I, I could be fine just settling for mental knowledge about Jesus and filling my head with more knowledge and more knowledge and more doctrinal truth. I love that stuff. I geek out on that kind of stuff. 
But if all I'm doing is learning that stuff so I can spout it off to you when you ask a question, what good is that? That's not affecting my life in any way. That's not making me more like Jesus other than, you know, my mind knows more about him. Like, I should be living like Jesus. My knowledge is not affecting my life. Again, I'm wasting my time. Um, so this is where we really focus in on how does this change my life. And then the third step is respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Sometimes the response is praising God for something. Maybe that's it. Maybe if the passage that we're, we're reading and we're studying is all about who God is, man, we just need to spend a few moments in praise and worship and adoration of our God. So if he leads that way, do that. Sometimes it's asking God for help. Sometimes there's something in the passage that God demands of us as his followers, and it's really hard, and we have no idea how we're going to do it. Well, guess what? God doesn't say, just figure it out. Rely on your own strength. That's not how it works. No, we're supposed to look to him for our help, rely on his strength, not our own. So sometimes it means going to God and, and asking and begging him, Lord, help me. Give me the strength to walk in obedience here. Help me to rely on you and not my own strength and not my own talents, not my own abilities. Maybe it's repenting of sin. Maybe it's just enjoying the presence of God. You know, maybe it's bringing attention to you feeling the absence of God in your life. Maybe you're just going through a really dark season, a really difficult season, a time of suffering. Not about you, but when I've walked through that, those, those moments, the Lord seems really far at times. The Lord seems really distant. It makes those psalms where it talks about, God, why have you turned your face away from me? It makes a ton of sense. So maybe in your time of prayer, in your time of meditation, your time of studying Scripture, you're just feeling, God, you're, you're far, you're distant. And it's just acknowledging that. And asking God to give His mercy and His grace and His help to see that that's, that's not really the case. You know, sometimes God feels distant, but he's never distant. He's never distant. He's always right there with us. And as we said, sometimes the truth just jumps up. Sometimes the Holy Spirit preaches really quick to us, right? Like sometimes we're just like, oh man, this is, wow, clear as day what I'm supposed to do with this passage. Uh, other times he's, he's a little slower. And the Holy Spirit works in whatever way he wants, and he's sovereign over that, and you can trust him with that, but sometimes he's a little slower. And look, I just want you to hear, like, it's okay. It's okay if after you study a passage, you go, God, I, uh, what? I don't understand. I don't understand. Please teach me. I have no idea what's happening here. Like, it's okay. If you get, if you walk through these three steps and you do everything that we've talked about and you're still, at the end of that, you're like, I have no idea. I, Travis, Pastor Travis is giving you permission to do this. It's okay at that point. Sometimes if the Lord's just not clear at that moment, it's okay to close your Bible, close your journal, say, Lord, teach me, reveal this truth to, your, to me. I'm going to pick it back up tomorrow. Like it's okay to do that. All right. Free yourselves from having this intimate, crazy spiritual experience every single time you open God's word. I want you to be free from that. Okay. So it's okay if you need to pick it back up tomorrow. Don't feel defeated. I do that all the time. I just told you I spent a week and a half in one part of a chapter of the Bible because I didn't understand it. It's okay to do that. Every day that you open your scripture is not going to be this huge moment of inspiration, of deep understanding of what's happening. Sometimes it is, and those moments are awesome. Other times it's not. But what matters is consistency. What matters is coming to the scriptures every single day. 
day in and day out, spending time with the Lord. And if there are moments where you have to go, God, I don't understand, that's okay. That's okay. We respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Sometimes he's quick, sometimes he's slow. Be patient and wait on the Holy Spirit. If you've got to come back to it the next day, come back to it the next day or the day after that or the day after that or the day after that. It's okay to do that. All right? So be free. Okay, so that's meditation. Meditation is really important. It's a big deal. Um, and again, as we talked about, we're, we're building bridges here. So we, we've connected our, our study of God's Word, and now we've connected. We built that bridge to meditation, and now we're going to take the meditation, and we're going to build a bridge over here to prayer. So let's talk about prayer. Um, first things we need to mention about prayer is that followers of Jesus are supposed to pray. We are supposed to be people of prayer. Jesus modeled this for this. Jesus prayed often. When you look through the gospel narratives, you see that Jesus prayed all the time. He would stop things that other people would say are really important ministry stuff. He would say, no, I can't do that. I've got to go spend time in prayer. Like, that's crazy. This is the Son of God who's all-powerful, omniscient, everything. God himself saying, no, I need to go spend time in prayer. Okay, so if Jesus, who is God, needed to spend time in prayer, how much more do we need to spend time in prayer, right? Like I'm talking to myself here too, okay? We need to spend a lot, of more, a lot more time in prayer probably. Um, so Jesus prayed. He says, Mark 135, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And I'll be honest, I don't like that verse at all because it talks about waking up early, and I don't like to wake up early. Um, I wish it was like, and very late at night, he spent time in prayer because that would be more speaking to my heart. So anyways, the point is that Jesus prayed a lot, okay? The Son of God, God himself, spent time in prayer. We, as his followers, are supposed to be uh, people of prayer. We're supposed to spend a lot of time in prayer as well. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Other translations will say, devote yourselves to prayer. Be consistent in prayer. Spend time in prayer. We are supposed to be people of prayer. Um, and, and why? Why is that? Why are we supposed to pray? And there's a lot of different things that we could talk about. I want to focus in on, on what prayer accomplishes, and that it changes us. It changes us. It changes things around us. Prayer affects change. Um, and we'll start with us. Um, prayer changes us. It helps God's truth sink into our hearts and lives. It, it aligns our desires with God's desires. And that's really what it's all about, right? Like we, we don't want God at the end of the day, like, yeah, it'd be great. God, give me everything I want. But like, we know that that wouldn't be really helpful because like we have, if those of us with kids know, like if you give a kid everything they want, like that's not going to be what's best for them. So we know like, even though I want these things, it's not really what's best. I want what God wants for me because his ways are always better. Well, how do we get to that point of, of our hearts being in line with God's will? We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in prayer. Prayer aligns our will with God's will. It, as we talked about, it focuses our mind on him and not on the things of this world. Prayer brings really good perspective to what's going on. And if we're struggling with something, even in our mundane, everyday life, we'll have these moments where we're just feeling defeated or frustrated or whatever. Man, prayer can bring clarity and it can bring a good change of perspective to our lives. Or maybe we realize these things that we're so worried about or fearful of or whatever the case is, stressed out about, maybe they don't matter quite as much as we thought they did. Maybe the struggles that we feel that we have going on in our lives, that God's just cursed us because this whatever's going on, maybe, just maybe, 
it's not as bad as that person that the Lord brought to your mind that you need to be praying for who's really walking through a difficult season. You know, it just brings a change of perspective. Um, maybe all those things are true. Maybe you're just cursed and um, everything's bad. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, but the Lord will bring clarity to that. But prayer changes us. So we're supposed to pray. It makes us more like God. That's the purpose of prayer. Because in prayer, prayer is just, it, it's just a conversation. And this is what Keller talks about in his book. It's just us talking with God. And that's all it is. Like, you know, too often we church things up too much and make it more than it actually is. No, prayer is just talking. It's just talking to God. And when I pray, I talk like I'm talking to you. Like I talk in my normal voice. I don't use big words and holier words. Like, no, that's not, that's not how God wired me, first of all. And like, that's not what the purpose of prayer is. Like Jesus condemned the Pharisees for using like these big phrases and making themselves sound better than they actually were. So let's not do that. God knows us. He knows our hearts. Like prayer is just us going before our God and just talking in a conversation where we get to encounter and be in God's presence. That's what prayer is. And that affects us. That changes us. That makes us more like him. Um, so we're to be people of prayer. So how do we pray? Um, how do we pray? I'm going to give you guys some, some tips. At the end of the day, though, um, you can read a bunch of stuff about how to pray I would encourage you to uh, take all this stuff for the most part with a grain of salt because you do what works well for you. Um, so I'll give you kind of some helpful tips. Um, I've asked somebody to come like we did last week to share some of their helpful tips. Um, but just make it your own. And again, the point is to spend time conversing with God. So I'll give you some, some frameworks to build around, but just make it your own um, and how you want to structure that, what you pray for. Um, I'm going to trust you to be able to put those lists together. So how do we pray? Um, thankfully, Jesus gave us a model for prayer, and that's found in Matthew uh, chapter 6. So I'm going to read that for us uh, real quick. And Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not pray like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father, your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, so let's kind of break this down a little bit. Um, I think it's in your notes. Um, but if not, just read along. Uh, so the first, it starts out, Our Father in heaven. And with that, we, we should pray with an understanding of who God is. We should know uh, who we're praying to, right? Like we should focus on who our God is, his attributes, uh, his characteristics. Um, we should focus on who God is. Pray with an understanding of who God is. Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means holy. So we pray with an understanding of God's nature. Our God is a holy, perfect God. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. So we pray with an understanding of God's nature. Your kingdom come. 
we pray with an understanding of God's work. Um, when it talks about God's kingdom coming, it's talking about him working in this world uh, to further his ministry, to further his reign and rule, uh, which is a picture of what will come when we get to spend eternity with him in the new heavens and new earth. So we pray with an understanding of coming alongside and partnering with God's work. We don't want to be working against God. Um, the next part there, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray with an understanding of God's plans and desires. Um, so let me just say a quick word here. Um, I, I know like sometimes we can get a little maybe nervous, um, especially since we're not in a more charismatic setting. But I just want you to know we are to pray and ask boldly in faith. Okay? Pray and ask boldly in faith. When, when you feel that you need to come before God and ask for something, ask in faith. And trust that his will is his will and that his will is going to be his will uh, regardless of what happens. We can trust that that's going to be its thing, but we're still supposed to come and ask boldly before the God, before our God. So here's like just an example from Travis. Um, I've pretty much just dropped out, you know, when, I, when somebody asks me to pray for them, like if they're going through something sick or healing or whatever, um, my prayers are more, Jesus, we ask you to heal this person in your name. Lord, we have faith that you are the one who can heal and we ask you to heal. Sometimes I used to give a little caveat, as long as it's your will, let your will be done. Okay, God doesn't need me to give him permission to accomplish his will, okay? That's not how that works. Okay, I don't have to be scared of my prayer somehow go at God going, oh, well, you know, Travis, I, I wasn't going to do this thing for you, but now that you asked, I'm going to do it. Even though it's not part of my will, even though it might not be what's best for you, you know what, since you asked, I'm going to do it anyways. Like, that's not how God is. Okay, like the, an example that's usually given is like Hezekiah in the Old Testament and Isaiah. He's sick. He's about to die. Isaiah comes and says, God's judging you. You're going to die. He goes to God in prayer and says, God, give me, give me more life. And God goes, okay, fine. You know, you repented of your sin. I'm going to give you 15 more years. And in that 15 years, he has a son named um, Manasseh. I was blanking on the name for a second. He has a son named Manasseh who turns out to take over for Hezekiah and is one of the most evil and wicked kings that Israel ever had. And the argument kind of is given that, well, you know, God gave Hezekiah more life and look what happened. That, what? that doesn't even make sense. First of all, like, why are we even talking about this? Like, if, if God gave Hezekiah more life, it's because that's what God wanted to do. That was his will, okay? We can ask boldly before our God and trust that whatever results happen, that God's in control of all things, okay? And plus, Manasseh is part of Jesus's lineage, so it was all part of God's plan. Anyways, you can find that in Matthew chapter 1, in case you're wondering. So, just ask in faith. You don't have to worry about giving this caveat up, well, as long as it's your will, God. Do this as long as it's your will. God's going to accomplish his will. We are, we are commanded and called by God to come before him and boldly ask in faith, okay? Like, and ask according to his will, right? Like, you know, if, you, if you're going to ask God, God, give me a mansion, give me, you know, a Lamborghini or something like that, okay? Like, I don't know, you pray for better things. Like, that's silly to pray for those things. Um, talk to me and we can come up with more substantial things to pray about. Um, but if we're praying in accordance with God's will, like this is what I'm talking about with, with asking for healing for somebody, our God wants to heal people. Okay, like that's part of who he is. Our God is a healing God. Asking for God to heal somebody is in line with his nature. It's in line with his will. Whether he decides to heal that person or not, that's up to God. My job is to come boldly before my God in faith that he can accomplish all things and ask. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? 
Again, people might disagree with everything that I just told you. This is Travis talking. Yeah. Yeah, heal us, God. Yeah, absolutely. That's the model that we're given, and that's James 5. Um, if you want a reference for that, um, that gives a lot of clarity here. Um, the next part there, give us our daily bread. Sorry, that's just Travis's own tangent on those things. Uh, give us our daily bread. Um, and here's the asking. We're to ask for things. God wants to provide for us. He wants to give us good gifts. This is what uh, Luke 11 talks about. Jesus gives this parable of, of prayer in Luke 11, and he talks about a persistent widow who kept coming before the person that she needed something, or it's a neighbor, sorry, persistent neighbor that keeps coming to his neighbor. He needs bread, and he keeps knocking, and he keeps knocking, and he keeps knocking, and finally, his neighbor gives him the bread. And Jesus says, that's how you're supposed to pray. Like, he just gave the picture of the annoying neighbor that keeps asking us for stuff and says, that's how you're supposed to pray. So ask, and keep asking, and keep asking until God gives an answer. If he says no, then stop asking. Until he says no, keep asking. That's the idea of prayer that we're given. And then he says at the end of that, that just as we as uh, earthly sinful parents know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does the perfect heavenly father know how to give good gifts to us? God wants to give us good gifts. So ask for him to provide, for him to uh, give these things that we're asking for in accordance to his will. Ask God for stuff. That's what we're supposed to do. All right, forgive our debts. Uh, so we pray with an understanding of the depth of our sin and our need for forgiveness. Uh, so we, a part of our prayer time should be confession. Uh, as we also forgive our debtors. This is a key part that Jesus adds in there. So we ask forgiveness from God as we also pray for God to give us the strength to forgive other people. Okay, we are to be a forgiving people. That's what Christians are to be marked as, as forgiving people. Okay, it's part of being a believer. So we ask God for forgiveness. Not so we can just get forgiveness for ourselves and withhold it from other people. That's not how it works. We are to forgive one another. So we pray with an understanding of our need for right relationships with other people. And then it ends with, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So two parts here. We, we pray with an understanding of the depth and the horrific nature of our sin, and that it seeks to kill us and destroy us and lead us away from Christ, and that we need God's protection from that. And we also pray knowing that God is the one who delivers, that God is the one who is far more superior, far stronger than the enemy could ever hope, that he's already won the victory over the enemy, that he's put him to open shame according to Colossians 2.15. Um, that is who we pray to. Um, so we pray with an understanding that, that Jesus uh, is our protector and he's our victor. Okay, a helpful um, acronym there that you see, ACTS. Um, this is just kind of a helpful, again, framework for prayer. You can take this or leave it. Not going to hurt my feelings. Um, I didn't make this up. I stole it from a bunch of other people that have been talking about this for years. Um, but ACTS is an acronym. So each word or each letter stands for something. So A, um, adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. S, supplication. Um, so this is, again, this is a, a framework for how to spend your time in prayer. So adoration. Part of our prayer time should be praising God for who he is and what he's done for us. If you want a picture of that, um, Psalm 96 is an awesome uh, chapter of our Bible about what it means to, what it looks like to praise our God. Um, and it's an awesome psalm of, of adoration and praise to God. Um, so our, part of our prayer time should be spending time just praising God for who he is, praising God for what he's done for us. 
as these things about who God is and what he's done for you come to mind through your reading of scripture, through your meditation, we should spend a moment going, God, you're awesome. Thank you for these things. Like this is, you're, you're incredible. You're amazing. You're patient. You're kind. You're good. Like whatever attribute is being brought to mind, whatever aspect of God is being brought to mind, spend time praising God for that. Um, part of our prayer time should be praise. Uh, C, confession. Um, so again, we talked about this a little bit uh, a few minutes ago, but part of our prayer time should be a time of confession. First John 1, 9 speaks about this, that we are to confess our sins before the Lord. And here's what confession does. Um, you know, we're not Catholics, so if you uh, forget to confess a sin that, you know, you're still forgiven for that. Like, even if you're like, man, I didn't confess that sin. Like, Jesus' forgiveness is uh, perfect for all past, present, and future sins. Like, you're covered. When you put your faith in Jesus, all your sins are taken care of. So the purpose of confession is not to make sure that our sins are forgiven. Jesus has already done that when we put our faith in him. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Yes? No? Maybe a little bit? Okay, yes. Thank you, Nick. Um, so our sins are already forgiven. The purpose of confession is that, again, it aligns our heart with God. When we confess our sin, we tell God, yeah, I know I sinned. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know that that action was a sin before you. It might have also been a sin against somebody else, but first and foremost, it was a sin against God. And when we confess our sins, we acknowledge what we've done before our God. We acknowledge that that thing, that action, that thought, whatever it is, is wrong. And that that sin sent Jesus to the cross to die and absorb God's wrath on our behalf. Like, that's what confession does. That's the purpose of confession. So we don't confess to, uh, you know, if we, again, we forget to confess a sin, like it's already forgiven. We put our faith in Jesus, all of our sins in that. That's what it means to be justified. That's what justification talks about. It means that we are made holy. Our position before God is one of holiness. Past, present, future sins, all forgiven in that one act of us putting our faith in Jesus. But we still sin, right? Like we still struggle. We still mess up in a lot of ways. So when we confess... God's already forgiven that sin, but it aligns our heart with his. Does that make sense? Cool. Um, all right, Thanksgiving. We should spend time thanking God for the many blessings and gifts that he provides. We see this in Psalm 104 or Colossians 4.2, which we read a minute ago. Uh, we pray with thanksgiving. We should thank God for the gifts. Like too often we can just get, um, you know, so into the actual gifts that God gives us and we forget about the giver, right? Thanksgiving, again, puts our heart and our mind on the giver of those gifts. We recognize that he is the one who provides, that he is the one who accomplishes all these things for us. So prayer time should be a time of thanksgiving. And then the last one, supplication. This is us bringing our requests to God. Philippians 4, 6-7 speak of this. Luke 11, which I talked about. Uh, we see this in Matthew 7, where Jesus says, Ask and knock um, so that we will receive. James 1, 5-6 talks about this. Uh, but we bring our request to God, not only just for ourselves, but for other people. So when somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? And you say yes, like you should actually pray for that person. Just saying, like, don't be lying about prayer for people. That's messed up. Uh, don't be doing that. Don't be doing, hey, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you forget all about it. Like, come on now. Um, pray for people. Pray for you too. Like, this is where we get to ask God for things. Okay, the God of this universe that created everything actually says, bring your request to me. He wants to hear about everything we have going on. We might think it's insignificant and small and tiny. God wants to hear about it. God wants us to ask. And what that does, when we come to God and ask for everything, it shows that we depend on him. That we're not living in our own strength. 
that we're not trying to do this life on our own. That we rely on God. Okay, so ask. So these are some things you can incorporate in your prayer time. Um, just some practical tips to kind of uh, end this aspect of our discussion tonight. Uh, use meditation as a bridge for prayer. We'd already talked about that. Um, so start your prayer time by praying about the things that God revealed during your time of studying. Uh, keep track of your prayer requests, how and when those prayers were answered. This is a big one. Like you want to increase your faith in God, like actually think about all the many times that he's answered your prayer requests. Because he does. He does answer. And we forget about that all the time. Okay, the, there's a book in your Bible called Deuteronomy that's all about remembering what God has done. It's a big thing to remember. Um, use Psalms as a guide for prayer, especially when words may fail you. This is something that I've done in times of uh, just dark moments in my life where like, I come and I'm like, God, I'm, I'm just mad at you and I hate the situation that I'm in. And I don't even want to talk to you right now, but I know I'm supposed to because I'm a Christian and you died on the cross for me, so I'm coming to you in prayer. Like, I'm just telling you my unfiltered mindset here. Um, so I don't have the, the proper words to pray before God, so I'll use the Psalms. And the Psalms are awesome because there's a Psalm for every emotion that you can think of, even anguish or uh, anger towards God. There's Psalms about that. Um, there's Psalms about bringing God's wrath and destruction on your enemies. If you're feeling hurt by other people, you can pray those. They're called impeccatory Psalms, all right? They're there for a reason. Um, so pray through the Psalms. Use the Psalms as your words, if words are failing, whatever. Um, time, like whatever situation you have going on, sometimes we just, we can't pray, but the Psalms are there to guide us, and we can use uh, the Psalms as our, as our words. Um, I would encourage you to have a time of silence before the Lord, um, so don't do all the talking, basically. This is a conversation. It's a two-way conversation. Um, you know, I've never had God, like, speak audibly from this, like, I can hear it, like, I, you would talk to me, like, I've never had that happen, so I'm not saying, you know, God can do whatever he wants to. He might do that. That would be really awesome if he does. Call me. Tell me about that, because that would be really cool to hear. Um, but there are moments, like, it, just spending silently before the Lord, man, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He brings things to mind. He speaks to you through his word, like, but if we're doing all the talking, we're not going to give God that chance to speak back to us, to, to bring truth to our minds, to our hearts. So, Make it a two-way conversation. Uh, when you ask, ask in faith. We already talked about this. Um, and then pray throughout the day, all right? Like, you should have moments of prayer, um, like specific times of prayer, um, but pray throughout the day, all right? Like, you know, sitting there doing something at work or before your lunchtime or after your lunchtime or in your car or whatever. Like, pray throughout the day. Um, take advantage of these still small moments um, and, and use them for prayer. Um, okay, so those are my thoughts on prayer. So I've asked, uh, just like we did last week, where Kendra uh, shared a little bit from her perspective. I want you to hear from a non-pastor that these things are actually really beneficial and not just to take my word for it. So I've asked Lana Toller to come and speak about her experience uh, with these spiritual disciplines. So y'all give it up for Lana as she comes up here. Okay, so I'm going to let you put this on while I uh, get your stuff set up. Do the magic technique. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, in case we haven't met, I know a lot of your faces, but in case we haven't met, uh, my name is Lana Toller. Um, known Travis and Kendra now, I guess eight eight years, I suppose. Um, been at Emmaus about that long. So I am not a pastor, like he said, but I am standing on the shoulders of other really incredible believers and mentors that I look up to that have taught me so much about these two things, prayer 
and scripture meditation. So my goal is to be super practical, um, just focusing on what are the different ways that this could look like in your everyday life. So hopefully something is inspiring to you, something jumps out at you as something that might appeal to you. And I would love to hear if you end up trying it, how it works for you. Um, this is really about making these things come to life and be something that's so meaningful and useful to you. Um, so a little bit of just a smidgen of background before we get started. So I was saved at a really young age, between five and 10, grew up in the church. The church I was at really emphasized spiritual disciplines and taught us very much about that, to which I'm so grateful. Um, I was involved in Bible studies, made prayer lists. I remember memorizing scripture. All of that was a part of my childhood, but the unfortunate um, effect that that had on me, again, many positive effects, but one of the side effects was that I found myself really measuring my spiritual maturity by the frequency of how I was practicing spiritual disciplines. So if at any given moment you would say, well, how's your walk with God at that age? I would say, okay, wait, so this week I did it. I, let's see, I, okay, I read the Bible four times and yeah, it's great. I'm really, really growing, <laughs> right? Instead of saying, well, I'm growing so much in my love for others in this way, or I'm growing so much more in my affection and my patience with the people around me. And so for me, it became an imbalance and, and I lost sight of the whole heart of the spiritual disciplines. So as a young adult, I realized I was kind of swinging back and forth. So when I would do really well with the disciplines of scripture prayer, I would start to become self-righteous and compare myself to other people. Be like, I'm clearly more mature because I did it five times this week, <laughs> right? Um, but then on the opposite was true as well. If I started falling off the bandwagon and I hadn't prayed as much this week or this month, then I would revert to shame and saying, oh, I'm, I'm really not spiritually mature. I'm not growing. And this pendulum was just so unhealthy. And so I realized as a young adult, there's, this cannot be the heart of God for spiritual disciplines. This, this can't be what he designed for us. And so I started experimenting, exploring, and again, much of what I has lear have learned has not come from this great brain. It has come from standing on the shoulders of lovely, wonderful people who have been doing this much longer than I have. So this whole path really tried to, um, it began to propel me to ask the question, what will work for me? What will work for the way that I am designed, the way that I learn, the way that I process, and then what also will fit this life stage that I'm in right now? What will resonate with who I am right now? And it led me to a lot of experiments in prayer and scripture meditation. So first, we're exploring prayer. And I think uh, Travis has given you like bullet points overview. Um, I'm a teacher, but I promise I'm not judging if you don't write a word down. <laughs> I know many of you are like auditory learners, right? You just learn by hearing, and many of you learn by writing. So if you like to write, great. If you don't like to write, great, <laughs> okay? So the first one would be praying scripture, which may be the most powerful for me. This one is, and similarly to, um, Travis mentioned this in his prayer section, but choosing a specific verse to pray over a person in my life for myself um, or for a specific situation. So for example, like I might pray a verse for my husband like, that Ben would love the Lord as God with all his heart, his mind, soul, and strength. Having it on a little index card. It's just so, I feel so confident praying the word of God. Like it's the word of God. <laughs> I think it should be a pretty good thing to pray. Um, or specifically, maybe like, like Travis has been saying, when we walk through this process of studying the Bible, 
often we get to a verse and we're like, wow, that's really beautiful about Jesus. That does not sound like me. <laughs> and so for me, this is a perfect place to put my name, myself, for placing the pronouns in the verse with myself and praying verses over myself. I mean, it's an incredible way to learn, meditate, and begin to help my mind shift towards that character change. Um, praying for specific situations, praying for family members. And this particular practice was actually taught to me by this man right here. I call him Uncle Andy. He's actually not my uncle in any way. <laughs> but when I was in college, um, kind of the summers between college, I spent in northern Spain living with some missionaries. And this is Uncle Andy. He has, um, he's kind of with a hub of missionary families there. But the last time that I was packing up and, and heading out back to the States, um, the last time I was in Spain, he sat down with me with our coffee and he said, he opened his scriptures and he said, this verse, I want you to know, I've prayed for you every day for the last year with your name in it. And I, as a college student, my mind was blown. And it was so meaningful to me um, that someone would love me well enough to see something for me in the scriptures and then also pray for me in that way. It was so moving, I can't even begin to tell you. And so practices like these, again, standing on other people's shoulders. Another little simple practical way is daily themed prayer on index cards. So like Travis said, people tell us or ask us for help um, for prayer all the time, especially being at church. MC groups, you see someone in the hallway, like we're constantly flooded with, and if we're seeing through the way, um, through the lens of God wanting to take care of his people, then we're always hearing requests, right? And so for me, it becomes overwhelming sometimes. I'm not gonna remember to pray for 75 things every time I sit down to pray. And so this is a way for me that sort of helped organize it and made me pray smaller chunks of time. So like on a given week, I might do Monday for vocation. I might just pray, I'm a teacher. So praying for students, coworkers, Tuesday would be whatever the Holy Spirit is causing to jump out. Maybe it's for myself that day. Wednesday, I like to pray for church requests, specifically like the MC group requests that people share. Thursday, maybe missions, places like streetwise, local places that we know and love, um, or just other people I know that don't know Jesus. Friday, family, Saturday, friends. And this has kind of shifted. I've tried different themes. But for me, this helps me um, not feel so overwhelmed <laughs> by all the amount of things to pray for. And I can still say, I'm praying for you. I don't have to pray for that person every single day in order for that to be true. Does that make sense? So it helps me um, kind of sift through the barrage of requests. Another one that has come largely from this book that I didn't even know Travis was going to recommend, so I was excited about that, Prayer by Timothy Keller. Again, he talks about having conversations with God, and for many of us that's really intimidating. Like we're talking to the creator of the universe, I would get very, very tongue-tied, right? Um, so for me, this practice has helped me relax and learn to sit and process in the presence of God. So I have a long commute, not that long, really. I mean, it's Atlanta, right? Everyone has a long commute. So about, you know, 40 minutes maybe. Um, especially at the end of the day, something I enjoy doing is processing what has happened in the day out loud in the presence of God. Okay, it's not formal. Um, it's simply saying, Oh Lord, I don't know how I feel about that conversation that I had with so-and-so, or I'm really, really burdened that student shared that thing. I don't know what to do with that, God. Um, like Travis said, leaving actual pauses in the conversation as if Jesus was in the passenger seat with me, just talking to him conversationally. 
And what I thought this would do would just help me relax and learn how to talk to God, and it did. What I didn't realize that it would do is that it exposed my heart in ways that I was not ready for. Um, because when you're angry, when you're feeling bitterness towards someone, you, you don't want to let go of that thing that happened or that thing they said. Um, when you're praying that sort of stream of conscious processing, it comes out and sometimes it's just ugly. <laughs> and it's something I would never say out loud to anyone, right? But bringing that before the presence of God and saying, this is how I feel, often in those moments, I will sense the Holy Spirit responding to that thought, or I will just feel utter conviction for how, how could I even, wow, Lord, I need more of your grace and patience with people. I need more of your forgiveness. It has become so exposing. So if you really want to know the deep darkness of your heart, <laughs> learn to pray before the Father and then allow him to change and inform your feelings rather than just feeling them and keeping them inside. Bring them into the presence of God. It is an incredible how he will reform and shape the way that you think. Prayer as a reaction is a little bit harder. Um, so this is for me, I struggle a little bit with fear, a little bit, that's an understatement. I struggle with fear and anxiety. I feel like this is a AA meeting. Um, so um, praying internally when difficult or uncomfortable, awkward situations arise. I teach middle school, so you can imagine the number of uncomfortable and awkward situations that arise. <laughs> so for me in these moments, something that I've practiced slowly over time is instead of my first reaction to be panic, <laughs> Or what do I say, what do I say, how do I get out of this, how can I, and my wheel's just spinning wildly internally, to stop and say, Father, help. I'm not talking about a 10-minute pause prayer, but just a cry to God and saying, I, I, I don't know what to say right now, Father. And the way that he will meet you is just beautiful. Um, it'll be amazing how much wisdom he will bestow on you in that cry. Um, also, this goes to praying with other people in the moment when they share like really difficult, heavy things with you and it's awkward, <laughs> taking a moment to say, I'm so sorry, and listening, and saying, can I just pray with you right now? W would that make you feel uncomfortable? Is that okay? And many times, people are just overwhelmed. They're so, they're so honored that they, you would stop and care to speak for them in that moment of distress. Same as just journaling. If I am reacting to a situation, journaling about it later, almost as a letter to God. I have notebooks from college, the very emotional years of college, you know, writing. Father, please help me with this relationship, okay, <laughs> etc. So journaling to God as well has helped um, me teach myself how to react rather than just react in the moment to respond to situations. As well as a prayer log, and Travis mentioned this, and this actually is not my idea again. Um, this is credit to Leslie Burke. A couple years ago she shared this at the women's conference, but it's really simple and helpful, which is making a prayer log where you take a notebook page, line down the middle, on the left, prayer request, date, on the right, um, answer. And it's amazing if you take, uh, do this just for a, a few months even, um, and go back and just have a day, an answer day, where you get to go back and then you check in with all those requests and you jot down 320, the so-and-so got that job. You know, this thing, God helped me through this difficult situation. It, you, you're, the answers will just come flooding in and for me, that idea of remember, remember, remember is so, so important. And so often we are just standing in the middle of these answered prayer requests. We haven't even said, thank you, Father. We haven't even said, oh my goodness, God, you did hear me. I, I didn't think that ever was going to happen. So being able to look back over time, like Travis said, if you struggle with faith or you feel like God doesn't hear you, do this. 
oh my goodness, this will increase your faith so much, hearing and seeing the answers. Another less um, formulaic one is intentional prayer rhythms. So this was sort of a prayer boot camp season that I went through when reading this book, realizing, wow, I need to do this <laughs> prayer thing. And so um, in order to train myself just to have more of an overall attitude of prayer with life, I started taking little habits, things that I already do, um, washing the dishes, brushing my teeth, you know, heading into work, coming out of my car, and attaching a prayer to them. So this sounds very unconventional. Um, but in these seasons where I'm like, I just need to be in more constant prayer. I need more from the Father. Doing these little things and tying them to already pre-existing habits is a lot easier than just, I need to pray this long for this week. Where will I squeeze that in? What's already happening in your life where you have moments of silence? Like, I'm not talking to anyone when I'm doing the dishes. Is that really helpful for me to sit here and worry about my day? Probably not. Maybe I should just pray, <laughs> right? And those practices have become a really wonderful way to create habits of prayer. The other side of the coin is the scripture meditation. Just a few ways that have been helpful to me with meditation. The first, um, well, before I say the first, I'm glad Travis mentioned this as well. It's really important, again, that we're on the third step of this paper that you all have, this study your Bible. So for me, meditation isn't, oh, that seems like a good verse, I'm just gonna med meditate it out of the blue. Usually if I've chosen to meditate on a verse, gone through the study and I've said, wow, I really, really need to soak in that verse. That is, there's so much there for my heart, something going on that resounds with me, so it resonates with me. Um, so at this point, I've already kind of unpacked it, if that makes sense. Like I've already studied, done the literary type work there. And when I'm here at meditating, the Holy Spirit's already caused it to stand out and I've decided this is something I need. And so scripture copying, just writing it, journaling it is really simple, um, especially with spaces in between so that you can jot notes, draw images, however you process, particularly pulling out little phrases and just sort of, doesn't have to be fancy, but like cursive or lettering them is kind of fun, something I enjoy. Journaling about specific scripture and then what the Holy Spirit reveals to me from that scripture. All of that is repetition, repetition of the scripture. It's making a part of you. Another way is just reading, repeating out loud, even if you're not trying to just memorize it, but reading almost, you know, a chunk at a time, reading it again. Closing my eyes, saying it out loud, reading it again. Again, the point is not quantity here. It's quality, right? And so having this, this meditation step is about quality. So taking the time to chunk by chunk, say it, digest it. Um, and especially if it's Psalms, lots of love for the Psalms. Um, if it's Psalms, we know that it's the songbook of the scripture, right? So most nerdy thing I'll tell you tonight is that sometimes I sing the Psalms. <laughs> so I do enjoy songwriting, but it's not for the purpose of songwriting. It's far away from anyone's earshot. <laughs> but just honestly, I love, I love seeing, hmm, I wonder what this would have sounded like. Obviously it's not the ritual language, but hearing and kind of just, it's a different way to process. We know how music affects us, right? So it's a fun thing, take it or leave it. Um, posting scripture in everyday places. This is helpful for visual people. So using a dry erase marker on your bathroom mirror, it's pretty fun. Um, it does wipe off really easily, so no worries. Um, but taking a, a scripture, uh, a phrase from the scripture, even though you're trying to meditate and trying to really cling on to, and writing it right above where you were gonna go every day. You'll be in the bathroom, right? 
every morning, get it writing. So that's a great thing to have visually for you to just see and repeat. Or even just writing, typing out on a little card, having that verse. I've put it like with sticky tack on my dashboard, just places that I'm gonna be, high traffic areas where I'm gonna see the scripture over and over, repeating, repeating. Um, FYI though, this really quickly becomes background noise if you leave it for too long. And so it's really important, at least for me, to change out those verses um, what I'm meditating on at the time so that my brain doesn't just sort of block it out, if that makes sense. So overall, what's been really helpful for me is learning that my God-given design greatly affects the way that I process, the way that I learn, and the way that I spiritually grow. So my encouragement to you is to leverage the way that you are designed to process, learn, grow, to help you pray and meditate on the Word. I'm going to get a little teacher nerd here, but we know there are three main learning styles, right? There's visual learners, there's people that learn by seeing, hearing, or people that learn by moving, right? And so much of the time we think of these spiritual disciplines as you sit with the candle and the coffee and you read the Bible and you pray and you close your Bible. Hmm. And then you get up and go about your day. But our God is a creative God and he designed people that learn differently and process differently. So try to explore what, what else could you do? How else could you use the way that you process the way that you are designed, because we know that comes from God, to process, to learn. So don't be afraid to experiment. Uh, to wrap up, I've got a few, six quick tips for you. First is adjust for season. For me at least, it is rare that one specific practice is going to work for every season, every age, um, for my personality, whatever it is, for all of my life. And that's okay because it's not about the thing, right? It's always about the heart of the thing. It's always about what is it doing? Is it changing my heart? Yes, great. Play around with them. Do what resonates with you. Change it. If it's starting to lose its effectiveness, the method, the scripture on the index cards is making you snooze, move on. Try something new to the glory of God. Um, start small, be reasonable. Don't try to do all of these things at once, right? You've learned so much and have been given so much knowledge and practical tips in the past few weeks. Don't try to do it all. You're going to set yourself up for failure, right? Make one or two small, small choices so that you can set yourself up to experience success because we know that success is going to fuel you to want to do it more, right? Set yourself up for that. Explore. Again, I'm really big on just considering your design, the way that God has designed you to process and learn. Trust the process, like Travis said. Disciplines, um, they do feel like work. They're called disciplines for a reason. But what I wish that I would have told um, my teenager self was that it starts, these things start at discipline. They eventually lead you to desire, to wanting more of them. And that desire eventually leads you to delight, which is joy. We often just get stuck between the discipline and the desire. We go from the feeling of, I just don't, I just don't feel it. I'm not feeling, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to do the hard literary work of observation. Okay, so for us to believe the process that God's word does not return void, if we say we believe that, then let's live like it, right? Moving from discipline to delight. Seek a disciplines mentor. Be my fifth tip, which is find someone else who has been doing this for longer than you or does this differently than you. This has always been helpful for me. Um, not necessarily someone that has to peer over your shoulder and text you every day and say, are you doing this? If that's helpful for you, great. But someone who can just pray for you and share their tips and tricks with you, right? And then obviously share just what you're learning. That's always helpful. 
And lastly, it's so important to note that we have to celebrate the progress and the desire that he's given you. Just the, by the mere fact that you are sitting here is evidence that God has moved in you enough to make you want to come to this class on a Wednesday night when you didn't have to, right? Clearly he's moving in you. So let's recognize that. Let's say, thank you, God. Thank you for moving in me and, and giving me, you're already beginning to give me a desire for more of you through the word and through prayer. So all of those things hopefully are some quick, helpful tips. And then before Travis is finish, finishes out, um, I do just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you for this really exciting journey exploration. And then Travis will come after me. Father, I'm so, so grateful to be in a church where these things and your word and your truths and these habits are taught and valued. We thank you as well that you have also bestowed upon this church so many wonderful, godly, wise leaders who have been doing this longer than we have and can teach us about these things and map out a way and show us um, the way of faith to follow. I just pray for these wonderful people who are asking for more of a desire for you. They are showing up and doing the hard work of saying that they want more of you. So would you bless them with more desire for you? And when that desire breed delight, when they experience these disciplines through prayer, through scripture reading, through meditation, would they just find such an incredible life and joy in a way that the word comes alive to them like it never has before? Would they would the scripture become a part of them, a part of who they are? Ultimately, God, we know our hearts always want to take something so beautiful as the disciplines and turn them into work or a way of measuring ourselves um, towards shame or self-righteousness. And God, we pray against that for this people sitting in front of me. I pray that instead we would take the better path, which is the way of life and of blessing and grace and learning and growth. I pray for great success, great meaning and depth in the studying and in the prayer and communication with you that lies ahead. Would you help them always to feel that this is a safe place that they can share their confusion and share their questions and be encouraged. Um, pray a blessing for them. In your name we pray. Thank you, Lana. Well done. Appreciate that. All right, um, I'm going to end with just uh, a couple more just final thoughts as we wrap up. And then if you have any questions, we'll, we'll have a time of question. And then I have a gift for all of you, so don't leave yet. Um, all right, just a couple of final thoughts. Um, we've already hit on some of these, but I um, just want to encourage you. Um, just prioritize this time. Make it a priority. Um, if we don't plan for it, it's not going to happen by accident. We don't drift into Christ-likeness. We drift back towards sin. Okay, it's not going to happen on its own. They are disciplines for a reason. We have to be diligent. We have to set aside time. So find a time that works for you. I'm not an early riser. I don't wake up at 5 a.m. to do my quiet time. That's never going to happen probably in my life. I'm up till midnight reading books for school usually. So I'm not waking up early. I do it later on in the day as I have time or in the evening as I have time. Um, but find a time that works for you and make it a priority. Um, don't beat yourself up if, if you miss a day, all right? It's okay. It's all right. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. Uh, we aim for every day. By God's grace, we'll get to every day. But there are some days where life happens, and, and I just want you to know 
is okay. Like Lana said, our, our standing before Christ is not measured on how many days a week we read our Bible, okay? Thankfully, that is not what's getting us into heaven. Um, it's Jesus Christ who does. Um, all right, if it's hard, um, and it will be, keep trying. Uh, I was talking about this with, with Matt earlier. Like, the more you do this, the more natural it's going to feel, the easier it's going to get. It's going to feel cumbersome for a while. That's okay. Be diligent in this. I promise you this process works to make you more like Jesus. I, I promise you it will. It'll just take time. So if it's hard and it will be, uh, just keep going. Um, hold your plans with open hands. All right. So all my type A people out there, I know you're going to have a plan and you're going to want to stick to your plan. The plan is the plan and it has to be the plan. I have to do my plan. Okay. It's okay if your plan doesn't work out. All right. Um, it's okay. It's okay if you only get through step one on this one day. It's all right. That's awesome. Praise God for that one step. That is awesome. Be happy with that. It's okay. So hold your plans with open hands. Um, take your time. We've talked about that a lot. Um, study God's word and pray in community. We are not meant to do this life alone. That's why we have MC groups. So plug for that. If you're not in an MC group, sign up. They start in a couple weeks. Get connected into community. We need other believers in our lives to pray for us, hold us accountable, encourage us, ask questions with, like we desperately need that. Um, and then reach out with questions. All right, you guys can always find me on a Sunday. Um, you can email me. You now all have my email address. You can email me at any time. If you have a question, I love talking about this stuff. So please, if you have questions, if you get stuck somewhere, uh, let's talk. And if I don't have an answer, like we'll figure it out together. That would be awesome. That would make my day. If you ask me a question, I'm like, I don't know. Now I get to go research something and be a total nerd about it. I would love that opportunity. So that would be great. Um, so please reach out. Any of your pastors here would love to talk to you about things that you're learning in scripture. If you have questions, if you get stuck, whatever, uh, please come and ask. Uh, we are here to help, um, especially me. I'm, I'm here to help you guys in whatever way that I can. Um, so before I tell you about your gift, any, any questions? Any questions at all that you'd like to ask now or save till another time? You can always ask questions like I just said. But. Okay, let me pray for us and we will be done for the night. Jesus, we thank you again for this time. Uh, I just thank you so much for who you are, God, that you're a God that, that loves us, that you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, Lord, so that we could be in relationship with you, so that we could have your words, so that we could have an understanding of who you are, Lord, so that we could become more like you, so that we can engage with you in conversation and prayer, Lord. That is just such an incredible blessing. Let us not forget it. Let us not forget it. Let us not neglect it, Lord. So I pray for each one of us as we go about our days ahead, Lord, that we would be diligent and disciplined in the studying your word. And as Lana prayed earlier, Lord, that it would turn into a delight of you, Jesus, uh, that we would see you clear, that we would know you more, Lord, and that our lives would reflect you uh, better, that we would live as your followers, Jesus. So we love you. We thank you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Amen.